you're fat. So you drink anyone. Maybe if you show a little bit of cleavage. Maybe you're acting too smart. You're a boss. I just don't understand why you don't have a boyfriend. I would marry you. You're a tequila lover. You're not a lesbian. You're the Chargers. I'm not going to be a fucking Welcome to your Such a Catch. I'm your host, Erin. If you're tuning in for the first time, I'm so glad our paths crossed. Each week we dish about relationships, life, dating, and I give my listeners a diary-esque view into the world of Erin. A new episode drops every Tuesday, but if you want to follow along the rest of the days of the week, feel free to do so. You can find me at Instagram or Twitter at your Such a Catch. Last week I had my first guest on the pod, my trainer Brent. I can pretty much say without a shadow of a doubt that he stole the show. (laughs) Should I pass the microphone over to him now? I loved all the feedback I got from the episode. There were a couple common themes. I received a lot of, why don't you date Brent, Aaron? (laughs) Well, first off, yes, Brent's attractive, smart, ambitious, intelligent. Oh God, the list goes on and on. But Brent is like, my brother from another mother okay (laughs) it's just never been like that Brent also knows pretty much everything about me he knows when it's my time of the month he knows when I've had a little bit too much coffee to drink before a morning workout yeah (laughs) and uh you know there was one time also where he was making me do kettlebell swings I'll never forget this day we were in the middle of the floor at Equinox and I wore a shitty sports bra and I just had this fear that one of the girls was gonna pop out. (laughs) So I had him block me, which I don't know why we didn't just switch exercises. But anyways, I had him block me and you know, thankfully the girls didn't spill out, but if one of them had, I would have just tucked that sucker right back in and he and I would have never spoken about it again. (laughs) That's just the kind of relationship we have. But yeah, we're, we're great friends. He's my trainer and I, I need him in that capacity. So hopefully that answers that question. The other common comment I received is that Brent is wise for his age. Yes. And, and I will agree with that. At, at 27, he can drop some knowledge. One of the things I really appreciated about the episode is his comment about when a man tells you his intentions believe him. And I think that's something that I've kind of twisted in the past. You know, I've heard the words come out of, you know, a man's mouth and then my brain processed them a different way or the way in which I kind of hoped the outcome would lend itself to. And in actuality, I should have just, you know, taken the words for face value. And that again, kind of, you know, just reiterates actions speak louder than words. So needed to hear that. Hopefully you heard something that you found beneficial. And the good news is I have talked to Brent and yes, he will be on for part two one of these days. So before then, though, I'll have you submit any questions you might want answers to so we can pick his brain a little bit more. 
So last week was pretty productive. I got a new car. The dealership that I used to work for was pretty much giving them away. So (laughs) I had them hook me up with a new MDX. I uh, feel a little bit like I'm driving a boat in comparison to my Q3, but you know, I like it. I kind of wonder how I ever lived without Apple CarPlay. I don't know if you have Apple CarPlay, but it's a game changer. I also got a Peloton bike. Have you heard of Peloton? I mean, it's really popular right now, but essentially it's like an exercise bike, but on steroids. So you can take spin classes virtually. You can do them live. You can do recorded sessions. But my brother and Brent have been encouraging me to get one or at least try it out. So I got the Peloton. Um, it was delivered on Friday. Uh, you have to name your bike. And I thought that, you know, that's a lot of pressure on the spot. I mean, I want some time to like mull that over and think about like a really clever and witty name. But in that moment, I had like less than 30 seconds to decide. So my bike is called the Black Stallion. And I feel like that's pretty basic, but whatever. So yeah, I've ridden the Black Stallion. That doesn't sound right. But I've ridden the Black Stallion. Uh, I've had it, what, three days. I've ridden it all three days. Love it. Love it. If you have a Peloton and you want to ride with me, my name on the app is eram twenty. So yeah, hit me up. We'll do some rides together, but totally digging it. My neighbors must just love it because I'm propping the door open to get that breeze to come through. I'm also spinning in a sports bra in my Lulu's. If I was in Soul Cycle, I would never take my shirt off. But since I'm in the comfort of my own bedroom doing this, I'm like, why the hell not? You know, I sweat a lot and it's hot and Oh my gosh. So anyways, I am doing that. But when you're writing, you can kind of see your reflection in the um, screen. The, the It's like a basically like a glorified iPad that you see yourself in. And so, you know, behind the instructor, I can, I can see my outline of, of my body. And all I kept thinking was, oh, shuffle, shuffle from the Goonies. Oh my God. I just saw the most amazing thing in my entire life. First, you gotta do the truffle shuffle. Come on! That stubborn belly fat, it has to go, and hopefully this Peloton is going to help me get rid of it. So anyway, back to my week because I'm now rambling. Last week, like I said, was super productive. I worked out three times with Brent. I did three Peloton classes. And I also did two hot yoga sessions. Both were social sessions. So thank you to my friends who dragged me out to hot yoga. I appreciate you. And God, I mean, hot yoga is amazing. If you haven't done that, quick plug for that. I mean, I only go to the yin classes because I am not skilled at yoga. And yin is basically like lying there in a hot room and stretching and amazing. So yeah, do that. I also went to Glen Ivy last week, which is a spa hot springs in the Corona area. So a group of my girlfriends that I used to work with, we meet up annually there. And it's pretty much just an excuse to lay poolside and relax and catch up. And I'm sharing this only because self-care is important. And oftentimes we're so busy and we are rushing around. And if you're a mom or, you know, you, you have kids or you have a significant other, we do a lot for other people without question. Like it, it doesn't even, you know, process 
process through our mind. We just do what's needed for the other person because we love and we care about them. But when that happens, sometimes we forget about ourselves. And although I don't have kids of my own or anything like that, I I have friends that I feel like certain obligation to my family, obviously. And then my job, I work so many hours. So sometimes it's just necessary to take a moment and be still and present and breathe and just pause. So my encouragement to you is to have a moment like that this week to, you know, put yourself first. So as I get ready to start another week, I do have similar intentions for myself. You know, I want to devote the time while I'm at home and not traveling to you know, working out, eating right, and crossing, you know, a thing or two off of my to-do list around the house. You know, sometimes conquering the smallest task is so satisfying and rewarding. So just as you set intentions for your week or your yoga practice, you should do so for dating. Uh, Dating can be overwhelming. You know, I was just having a conversation with a girlfriend this weekend, and she said, she's newly single, by the way, so she got back on the apps, and she said last week she had three, count them, one, two, three dates lined up off a of Bumble. And first dates are hard, especially, you know, they take a little bit of a toll on your emotions because you have, you know, a little bit of nervousness, maybe some, you know, insecurity about getting back into the dating world. But she ended up having to cancel two of them just because she's like, it's a lot. And it is a lot. I mean, it's a time commitment. And, you know, like I mentioned, you have to be mentally prepared for that. So, but I do think that we should be setting intentions when it comes to dating like you know we have an end goal our end goal might be different for some of us we might want a long-term relationship for some of us you know we're looking for the one others maybe just looking for a hookup (laughs) but you know whatever it is set your intention and then kind of plan backwards so in doing this and when starting this podcast I started doing a lot of research on dating relationships and I just get a kick out of it because some of these articles out there, like if people are actually reading them and trying to utilize them for advice, oh Lord, help us. So what I Googled was how to prepare for a date. (laughs) These articles had me dying. Pretty much every app has a list or whatnot of how to prepare for a date, but this one is from the app Zoosk. I've never used Zeusk. I think I tried to sign up for it once, but you do have to pay. And so I backed out of it. But anyways, this one isn't as bad as the second one, but I'm just going to list off to you what they suggest you do when you're planning for a date. So number one is planning ahead and go in feeling confident and relaxed. Hmm, Easier said than done. Uh, Number two is dress appropriately and be comfortable. Number three is let someone know where you're going. I will say this is a must, and I always do that. I do have a friend who has me on Find My Friends, so she always knows my location. But I do usually tell my brother as well, like, where I'm going. And just for the record, if I ever do go missing, I'm looking to have my face posted on a wine bottle, not a milk carton, (laughs) just for the record. Number four is take a deep breath. Be yourself. Number five, try to avoid serious or controversial conversation topics. Number six is look out for red flags. No shit. Number seven, have an exit strategy and a wind down routine. 
Yeah, you heard me right. A wind down routine. I'm like, wind down? That's something I can get behind. Wind down? Never heard of it. So I had to read a little bit more into that. And this is what the article says verbatim. Ultimately, how you end a date will determine if there's going to be a second date. When you seem like you're trying to escape or leave too abruptly, that sends a pretty bleak, don't ever call me again signal to your date. If that's your intention, then make your excuse and get out of there. Maybe treat yourself to ice cream or shopping spree on your way home. Hey, you earned it. (laughs) Stop it. Are you kidding me? That is so ridiculous. I can just see myself after a first date. We go grab drinks at Shellback, and then I go skipping up the hill to the Manhattan Beach Creamery, grab myself a single scoop, and then go window shopping until I decide to go home. Never gonna happen. (laughs) Do people do that? Oh my gosh. Okay, here's another one published from a different dating app, Black People Meet. And no, I didn't search this one out. This was actually the second article listed on page one of Google when I searched how to prepare for a date. Okay, this list is so bad. It is so bad. Number one, get a good night's sleep. Seriously? Okay. Number two, plan your outfit. Number three, clean your car. Okay, let's just be real here. On a first date, I'm not getting into your car. And honestly, I don't even know on the second date if I'm getting in your car. But if we're going to have a couple drinks, neither of us should be getting into the car. We should be Ubering or lifting. But yeah, I'm not putting myself in a car with you until I feel very comfortable. Safety first, people. Number four, haircut. I'm assuming that's dictated towards the men because us women, we keep up on that. Number five had me rolling. Check your bank account. I'm also assuming this is directed at men, but if you need to check your bank account before we go on a date, should you really be going on dates? (laughs) I mean, how ridiculous is that? But I will take this opportunity to say when I do go on a first date, I do expect the man to pay. I think it just shows interest and intent I'm all fine with, you know, splitting the bill later or paying for drinks or even paying for a date as the relationship progresses. But in the beginning, I do want to know that he's interested. And I quit with the reach for your purse when the bill comes bit. I mean, most women want the man to pay for the date. And we make that gesture because it's awkward. And we just met. So we don't know what if he's going to do it or, you know, what his thoughts are on the subject. But I quit making the move for my purse because in reality, I want the man to pay. I don't want to be paying. And if I reach for my purse, it gives this false, you know, illusion. So I quit reaching for it. You know, I don't want to give off the wrong body language. I want the man to pay. But you know, maybe I'm wrong here. I don't know. Somebody give me your feedback on that. Anyways, back to the list. I'm rambling. So number six, (laughs) think about what to talk about. I know I'm ripping this list apart, but seriously, if you have to think about what you're going to talk about on a date, again, maybe you shouldn't be dating. Maybe you need to seek therapy. Maybe you need some social, social interaction to help. But, you know, 
If you just go into it more of a natural, you're meeting a friend for the first time, I think that's the best. Genuine conversations are the best. Don't try to force anything. If it's a match, you'll know. You'll talk for hours. If it's not a match, it's okay. You can still be polite and cordial and you can still discuss things. You'll just know kind of off the bat that your views or interests or opinions don't align. <laughs> Number seven, get ready earlier rather than late. Okay. <laughs> Number eight, know where you're going. Again, it's, do you see why this list is like so ridiculous? I mean, I'm, oh my gosh. Number nine, this takes the cake. Brush your teeth. Yes, you heard me right. Brush your teeth. Shouldn't we already be doing this a minimum of two times a day? Come on, people. And number 10, the last one on the list, which I actually think is valid, is silence your phone. So I will say this is a big one. When I started doing my research for this podcast, you know, reading different articles and listening to different podcasts and, you know, just trying to kind of get a vibe of what's going on out there, not just my own personal perspective or, you know, what I've learned from my own experience. But cell phones seem to be a common theme amongst making sure a first date goes well, or just in relationships in general, sometimes people feel like they're competing with the phone. So I've even read where having the phone present, like sitting on a on the table, you know, while you're at dinner, could give the other person some anxiety, you know, and maybe you have no intention of checking your messages. But just the fact that it's sitting there in the open kind of creates this, you know, negative vibe or whatnot. So suggestion to all of you also for from Black People Meet is silence your phone. Or, you know, maybe on a first date, I mean, what's your first date going to be? I mean, it could go great and go well off into the night. But, you know, if you're there for an hour or two, you can probably tuck your phone away, assuming you're safe and you don't need to send that SOS text to your girlfriend to come bail you out. So don't worry, I'm not about to go make my own ridiculous list for you to uh, reference when you're going on a first date. But what I will say is rip the Band-Aid off. If he asks, go on a date even if you think he's not your type. You're not over the moon attracted to him. You don't need to wash your hair that night. Quit with the excuses. It's good practice, and the more you put yourself out there and in situations like this, the easier it becomes. Since I'm doing an episode on first dates, I figured it's only appropriate if I share with you one of my most bizarre first dates. So a couple years ago, I went on one of my first dates off of Tinder. It was after I'd moved to the South Bay and I matched with Sean, S-H-A-W-N, on Tinder. So, so I screenshot a lot of profiles. Don't judge me for this. So I happened to have his handy and his profile read outgoing, social, funny, and genuine, looking for a beautiful woman who knows what she wants and doesn't settle for less. Things I do, woodworking, wine tasting, yoga, startup development. And so it goes, I matched with Sean and he asked me out and he wanted to go to MB Post in Manhattan Beach, which is a nice, you know, trendy restaurant with like small plates. And so on a Sunday night, we met up and went to MB Post and had a nice chat. You know, we're getting to know each other. Conversation was good. Things were flowing. Uh, there was a little bit of chemistry there, or so I thought. 
And after we had finished our apps and our drinks, he suggested that we go to another place. And uh, I will say he did pay for the bill, and I'm pretty sure it was three digits. So nice. And again, he wanted to carry on and, and go grab another drink somewhere. So I obliged and I took him down the hill to my favorite bar. Shout out to Rico over at Shellback. Uh, <laughs> very different vibe than MB Post, but nonetheless. So we grabbed two seats at the bar, and I must say also, so Rico's my favorite bartender there, and Rico has probably witnessed me on at least a dozen dates because at some point I usually take somebody there or bring somebody by, and we kind of have this unspoken communication where he just knows I'm on a date, and I will actually kind of give him the eye, and then he will either give me like a thumbs up, a thumbs to the side, or a thumbs down. There have been a lot of thumbs down for the record. <laughs> but anyways, back to my story. So so we sit at the bar and he orders us a couple of uh, vodka sodas. And he says, you know, can we play this little game? And I, I'm like, okay, whatever, you know. So I don't know if you guys have heard of this game, but it's called the cube test. And I don't want to ruin it for you if you want to try it. So you can if you want. I did find it on BuzzFeed and there was like a video that explains it all. But I want to share with you because this led to the demise of this date. But anyway, so it's called the cube test and he set the scene for me and he said, you know, imagine I'm in a desert and that it expands as far as I can see. And in that desert is a cube. And he asked me to describe the cube. Like, what does it look like? How large is it? What is it made of? And where is it exactly? So the beauty of this is I actually blogged about this date. So I have, um, I referenced the blog post so I could kind of refresh my memory on the details of this. But if you do want to read the blog post about my date in its entirety, um, it is on my website, youresuchacatch.com. And I will actually repost it so it's at the top of the blog. So it's called Shine Like a Diamond. But anyways, so I um, basically said, well, I see a cube, but it's not really a cube. It's actually a diamond, a large diamond, and uh, it's sitting in the middle of the desert on top of sand. And so he continued with this exercise and he said, okay, as you look at the desert in your cube, you also notice there's a ladder. So he asked me again, like, describe it to me. What is it made of? How big is it? Where is it in relation to the cube? So I wasn't sure where this was all going or whatnot, but I said, okay, I see the ladder. It's made of fabric pieces. They're knotted together. It's quite large in length, and it happens to be laying down in the sand next to the diamond. He then said, now imagine in the scene there's a horse. Where is the horse? What is it doing? Where is it at? What's happening with it? And I said, okay, why is there a horse in the desert? But I didn't wait for him to answer. I just went ahead and said, okay, I see a brown thoroughbred. It's muscular and strong. The horse is standing next to me and I'm petting it. He said, we're almost done. And he said, okay, in the scene before you are flowers, describe the flowers. How many do you see? What do they look like? Where are they in relation to the horse, the cube and the ladder and the sand? I was really getting into the game now <laughs> and I could see the flowers. They were the most beautiful flowers. Gerber daisies are my favorite. They're bright and they're beautiful and they're in every color and they're blooming everywhere. I said they're even braided in the horse's mane and entwined in the ladder covering the sand. 
So he then goes, in the desert, there's a storm. Describe the storm. What type of storm is it? Is it close to you? Is it far away? Does it affect the horse, the flowers, the cube, or the ladder? And I told him, well, I can see the storm is brewing. I see thunder and lightning in the sky, but it's really far away. And you know what? It doesn't bother the horse, the flowers, the cube, or the ladder. In fact, it looks as if it's going away and the sun is going to shine again. And then I laughed and I said, do I win? (laughs) Did I pass? I don't quite get it. So this is where he broke it down for me. And I am not sure what was going through his brain at this moment in time, but he still seemed engaged on the date. He still seemed like he wanted to be there. So he said, the cube is how you view yourself. You mentioned the cube or diamond being large, meaning you're pretty sure of yourself. He said the vertical placement of the cube is how grounded you are. And I said it was on top of the sand. So it means I'm pretty much down to earth. He said the cube's material conveys how open you are. And I described myself as a diamond and a diamond shine. He said this most likely means I'm a positive person who spreads good energy amongst others. He said the latter actually is a representation of my friends. And he says that my friends weren't leaning on the cube. They were next to the cube. And he said, this represents that I'm not dependent on them, nor are they dependent on me. And he also said that the material of the latter, because it was made out of cloth, but knotted together, which can mean that my friendships aren't strong in foundation and could unravel. Ooh. (laughs) Uh, The horse, he said, represents my dream partner. And I said that the horse was strong and I was petting it. And so he said, Aaron, are you currently seeing somebody? Well, the answer was no. I mean, this is a hypothetical, right? Who knew that me saying I was petting the horse was going to lead to that? Um, But (laughs) yeah, so then he went on and he said that flowers are actually, um, they're the representation of children and the number relates to the amount of children you imagine having. So I stopped him dead in his tracks and started laughing uncontrollably because I said that (laughs) flowers were everywhere. They were blooming on the ladder in the sand. They were even braided in the horse's hair. Oh, my God. Lord, help me. So um, I was probably like laughing a little bit nervously at that point in time. He also said that the colors represent health and presumed prosperity. Anyways, bringing us to the storm. So he said the storm represents threat or negativity. He said this speaks to where you are currently in life. So a distant storm means there's low perceived risk in my life. So he said, you know, sometimes people say they're caught in the midst of the storm. Maybe this is during a time where they're enduring some kind of like personal struggle or adversity in life. But, you know, as he was telling me all this, I remember kind of taking it in and, you know, it was kind of surprising because I didn't know the meaning of each thing as we were going through it. So it was just kind of funny, like if this does have any truth to it, that I was projecting myself in such a positive light and I described myself as a diamond versus a cube and I had picked a horse that was strong and, you know, muscular and anyways, I I found it super funny. Um, But also like flowers in a mane could indicate that the the horse was female and I was hoping that that didn't mean that I was 
than, you know, self-discovering that I was going to be a, a lesbian. Not that I have anything against that, but I was like, I don't really feel like that's the way my sexual orientation goes. So I was like, you know, but anyways, I digress. I digress. And at that time in my life, I was also kind of experiencing some adversity with friends. And, you know, I had made the transition and, and moved away. And I was kind of going through this weird period of time where you have these great relationships and friendships, but you've moved on. And so your everyday kind of changes and it's harder and harder to reach back out and stay up with everybody's lives and what's going on. So maybe that was why my ladder was built out of cloth and not something more sturdy. (laughs) Hopefully that isn't an indication of uh, the type of friend that I am. So after we did this exercise, I remember that Sean paid the tab and he said he had to use the bathroom. And what I failed to mention in this whole long-winded story here is when we were at MB Post, he did mention to me that he had gone to sushi with a friend um, before we went and met up and that, you know, his stomach was kind of bothering him. And I don't know if I just use this as an excuse or I find it relevant for what I'm about to tell you, but I, I have to bring that to your attention because when he leaves to go to the bathroom, you know, I've had a couple glasses of wine and a vodka soda. And even if I'm sober, I can talk to a brick wall. So I definitely turned to my left. I remember this. And there were a couple of gay guys sitting next to me, which, you know, I love a gay. So uh, so we started talking and, you know, I opened up and I said, yeah, I'm on a first day. We met on tenor and da, 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 da. And, you know, we're chit-chatting about the date or whatnot. And I kept looking over my shoulder to see where Sean went. And let's, you know, just say, you know, maybe he did have an upset stomach or something like I've heard also, although I've never been in there to see if this is real or not. But I've heard that the men's bathroom does not have doors on the stall. (laughs) These gay guys said, what did your date look like again? Was it the guy sitting next to you? And I and I described, you know, what he was wearing. He was wearing, you know, like denim on denim. And um, they said, yeah, uh, he hit the ATM machine and uh, bounced out the back door about five minutes ago. And I was like, what? I, I had no idea. I mean, you know, so after they tell me that I, you know, we had squared up the tab or whatnot. So I ran out the back door. I tried to call him. He didn't answer. It went to his voicemail. And then uh, I sent him a text and I just said, you left me at the bar. That's probably the meanest thing anyone has ever done. Why? I don't get it. And of course, like, hindsight looking back um I probably should have just left it alone but you know again it was like my first date off of a nap I had had a couple of drinks and I was like floored that things had gone this well and I got left at the bar so anyway so he writes back literally immediately and he says what are you talking about I tried to say I'm leaving but you were talking to a guy and he says he tried to uh, get my attention for five minutes, but I wouldn't turn around, which I don't believe because, I mean, I was talking to those guys, but I was rubbernecking to see if he was coming out of the bathroom or not. And so I said, you know, they told me you walked out the back door, the gay guys, you never came back and I waited. And I said again, well, thanks for the laughs and the drinks. I honestly thought you were a nice guy. To which he replied, thank you. You're a sweetheart. Yes, he called me a sweetheart. The same guy that left me at the bar called me a sweetheart. So the only theory I can come up with that makes the situation feel better to me is that the sushi caught up to him. He had a moment, kind of like in Along Came Polly, and he went to the bathroom, 
shit himself and had to grab cash on the way out to catch a taxi to get home to where he could change his drawers. What happened to you, Pit Ruben? I'm in a situation here. We have to leave now. Well, no, can we stay a couple more minutes? Dude, no. This is serious. I just sharted. I don't know what that means. I tried to fart and a little shit came out. I just sharted. Right now, let's go. So anyways, that's my story. I'm sticking to it. I don't know what really happened. If I ever come across Sean, I might ask him. But anyways, um, that wasn't even the last I saw of Sean. He eventually showed up and the people I might know on Facebook. Thank you for that, Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> um, so I did, you know, peruse his his Facebook page and, and checked out, you know, photos of his mom and whatnot. I did consider, you know, shooting him the old friend request to see if he would accept it uh, just to make him sweat a little bit, but I didn't. But that wasn't the only time he showed up. So when I used to blog pretty consistently, I would also do a little bit of research. And I don't even know how I came across this article, but, you know, things happen for a reason. So I somehow stumbled upon a blog post by Susie McCoppin, and it was on PopDust uh, titled Adventures in Online Dating, a Spotlight on J-Date. So yeah, you guessed right. Sean also had a profile on J-Date, and it is very interesting to hear her perspective on Sean too. So Susie labels Sean as the guy my mom would want me to date. She tells the story of how she fell in love at first read when uh, he quoted the lyrics of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, the theme song, in his About Me section. She also coins him as being fluid and witty and fluent on many subjects. And I agree with Susie. I mean, you know, from a profile perspective, he seems like a great guy. Side of his manners and ability to leave a woman at a dive bar on a Sunday night without saying goodbye. <laughs> Rejection is tough, but uh, reading Susie's post... It was therapeutic. I'm not sure how I feel about our closing technique, and I also don't think that I will share it here on the podcast, but I will post a screenshot and link to her article on my website because if you read the closing skills portion, you'll be like, whoa. (laughs) But anyways, so she tells a very similar story as I did about Sean, and I think we both dodged a bullet here, but you know... I also think the universe wanted to remind me because what are the freaking chances that I would come across this article? Who knows? And that it would be the same guy, right? But I think the universe wanted me to know that I wasn't missing out here. And I can definitely 100% attest to that now. But, you know, hindsight is always 2020. You might, you might have to wait a long time. Again, if you want to read about this date in more detail, feel free to check out my website, you'resuchacatch.com, and I'll have it there. And definitely check out what Susie had to say because, whoa. (laughs) Anyway, so I'm sure you have a crazy first date story to share as well. I'm all about it. Feel free to email me at erin at you'resuchacatch.com or slide into my DMs. I think sometimes it's just therapeutic to tell your story. You know, we have a good laugh and then we move on, right? Thank you, next. (laughs) So this week, set your intentions, make yourself a priority, and go on that date if he asks. Or take a chance and ask him out if you come across a profile that you find interesting, somebody who piques your interest. And remember what Brent said, if you ask him out and he says no, what's the difference if you're waiting for him to ask you? It's the same outcome. Just do it. And then tell me about your experience. Get out of that comfort zone, girl. 
I mean, your date can't be any shittier than mine. (laughs) Anyway, thanks for tuning in. I'll see you next week. In the meantime, happy swiping. Mm -hmm.